It is God's responsibility to deliver you from the enemy that he's led you in front of. It is God's responsibility, let me say it again, to deliver you from the enemy that he's in front of. Therefore, you don't have to freak out. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to like, you know, twiddle your thumbs and wonder, okay, God, you led me here. Now I'm facing Pharaoh. What in the world am I supposed to do about Pharaoh? How am I going to manipulate or sweet talk or whatever? What deal am I? No, 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 no. You stand. God acts. You be obedient. God acts. Practically speaking, God is good at being God. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles, back with you for week four of Practical. This is going to be our last week in this series. You know, it took a turn. I didn't even know where we were going, you know, with the Practical series. I think I had in my head where I thought it was going, but then God's like, no, I don't. I don't want you to go in that direction. And so he's the one that kind of molded it to what he wants. And so today we are going to talk about after the break, you are facing a block. You're facing a block, a stop. Your way is blocked. What do you do? That's what we're going to talk about after the break. It's going to be so good. You guys, I can't wait to get to it. A couple of things. Listen, I want to come to you. If you are looking for a speaker or you just want to bring the Automile show to you, I want to come see you. I want to come meet you. I was at an awesome conference this weekend with some like powerful, very accomplished women. And it was an honor for me to be there. And it was an honor for me to speak there. And it was so fun to meet people that like, you know, they feel like they know you and you get to know them and you're like, oh my gosh, you guys are so my people. But it was so fun. We had a great time, but I want to come see you where you're at, what you're doing. I want to meet you. I want to hang out with you. I meet you guys like everywhere all the time, especially those of you that live in DFW. I'm constantly stopping and talking to you guys and introducing you to my family and all the things. So I want to meet you. Email hello at autumnmiles.com in order um, to book your girl to come. Also, in July, we celebrated the birthday of two of my books, Appointed, which is the first one, um, nine years old in July, and Gangster Prayer, which is the third one. And it was four years old in July. And so I want to encourage you. You can still buy these books anywhere books are sold. Go, you can get them on my website, autumnmiles.com. But we sold out in the books this past weekend in like an hour. And we brought the appropriate amount. These books are evergreen. No matter what season of life you are in, they are green and they are ready to be read and ready to inspire. So go pick up a book wherever they're sold. You can also get them on my site. I love it. I love it when like people bypass like the sweatshirts and t-shirts and hats and stuff and they go to the book because I know that's when God really met us in session. So go do that. Also follow along on social. A lot of you guys are, but we're, we're there. We're putting out stuff all the time. We spend a lot of time with what we put out on social because we want it to be impactful. We want when you see a post we want it to encourage you. Okay. And so go follow on Insta or uh, we've got up on Facebook that we're super active on right now. So go follow us along and, you know, follow the journey along. So what is happening in my life? Well, have an announcement. As of last night, my daughter is officially a senior. She is a senior. I have a senior, you guys. A big senior, big man on campus. Last night we went to, the. you know, our community, they kind of start school 
they really there's a huge focus on community in our community and everyone in the community knows everyone in the community and um so the school really kind of does all of these events and stuff before school actually starts it's more than just meet the teacher it's like there's like so much stuff going on in our community that really surrounds the schools because they're such good schools. And so last night we had uh, like a community get together where we're kind of, it's like ushering in the new year. And Grace is the mascot in our uh, school district. And she's a senior. And so there is a tradition that if you're on the cheer team or squad or whatever, the seniors, someone, a male from the high school can give you a megaphone and it like honors the fact that you're entering your senior year and like all of these things. So there's this little ceremony that we went to last night and she is standing there and there's five seniors on the cheer team or four or something like that. But like, there's not a ton this year, but she asked you guys, this was so precious. She asked her brother to present her with her megaphone, which is my son, Jude. He's a sophomore this year. And you know what? I just about broke down and lost everything emotionally right in front of our entire community because I am videoing my daughter moving into this new phase of life with her brother presenting her with her megaphone. And I just got to say, they love each other. And sometimes, sometimes growing up, you're kind of like, do you like each other much less love each other? Like, do you like each other? <laughs> but they do guys. It was so precious. He gave her a hug in front of the whole community. And it was so beautiful. And a lot, we've lived here for a long time. And so a lot of people in the community were like seeing, they're like, Grace is a senior this year. Grace is a senior this year. And I'm like, yeah, pray for me. And going into this event last night, I ran across a couple of the moms who just like sent their kids off to college or are sending them in the next month or so. And you know what they said? They said, Autumn, enjoy it. Don't grieve through it. Enjoy it enjoy every single second. And you know, it was such like, it was, you know, there was no chapter and verse or anything, but it was such a word because I sat back, I took everything in, I videoed and I really did sit in the moment. And I don't know, guys, pray for your girl. I have a prayer request today and it's for me. Um, we want to send Grace off this year with a bang, and I'm going to need prayer support in order to do that. But it was precious. My kids love each other, and I'm super proud to be their mom because, I don't know, I don't think everyone would say, I want my brother to present this to me. And she did, and it was, and it was great. And it gave me a great photo op, and it was wonderful. So, okay, that is what's going on in my life. My voice is still a little scratchy because I don't know, something hit me over the last couple of weeks. But um, so bear with me on my scratchy voice, but I'm feeling good. But I just don't sound 100% yet. Don't go away. If you are facing a stop, a block of whatever, don't go away because you need this. Okay. I'll see you right after the break. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. 
That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back, and I couldn't wait to get here. We're in the fourth installment of Practical. Now, we have talked about how to practically let something go, practically forgive. We've talked about very practical things, okay? Today, I am going to tell, and this is so crazy, at the end of it all, Every single one of these practical points has to do with one thing, and I'm going to tell you what it is. But today we are going to talk about how do you practically move forward when you are facing a major block, a stop, maybe you're emotionally in a place where you you cannot get out of it, okay? Maybe there's a financial stop. Maybe there is, I don't know, someone has looked at you and said, that job is not yours anymore. We are going to give it to somebody else and you are blocked. You're stopped. You are moving forward so great. And then boom, it's all gone. And like one fell swoop. This is going to be so good. Okay. Let me tell you why it's going to be so good. I, I just need to tell you the story. So I'm going to this conference this last weekend and I have been very busy. I have been super busy. I've spoken a lot in the last couple of weeks, that multiple times, all new content. And to create content every few days, like brand new content is very, it's challenging to do. It's not like, you know, I just, I'm not a computer. Like I, I study, I need to know when I'm talking about whatever, but I had this conference coming up and I knew it was going to be special. And so I'm praying. Um, I took one whole day just to pray over God. What do you want these people to hear? And I get in, I'm washing my hair. Now you guys have seen my hair. It's like, it's a moment. Okay. It's like, she has her own personality. Um, sometimes we, we name her things. My hair should have its own zip code. I know that I understand that I received that, but washing all of this hair it takes a while. Okay. <laughs> so I get in the shower to wash my hair and I'm washing my hair. Now I have to wash my hair twice because that's just what I do. So I got my first like, you know, lather in, you know, you know, really getting my hair, whatever. And I am all this while, like all this morning I have devoted to, I am going to pray through God. What do you want me to say to this group? Washing my hair uh, the first time I'm praying and cause you know, I just kind of pray all the time. And all of a sudden the Lord downloads, not kidding this entire message to me in about 35 seconds, all of a sudden. Now, when the spirit of God speaks to you, people, he will tell you so many things. It's multifaceted you know, it can be multifaceted. He'll tell you one thing and then you just know exactly what you're supposed to do and exactly what you're supposed to say. And then I had a, another whole like washing that I had to do to my hair. Then I got to moisturize my hair and then the moisturizer's got to set. So I am like in the shower trying, saying, Lord, help me not to forget this. Help me not to forget this as I'm scrubbing my hair. Anyway, couldn't get out fast enough to write the notes to this down. And that's how I know it's from God. It was from those people. And it is for you guys today. What do you do when you are facing a giant block? Now, you guys know how much I love Moses in the Red Sea and all the things. For some reason, God has me preach a lot out of these passages of scripture, but you've never heard this before. Okay. You have never heard this before. I want to read this to you. And then we are going to go into you're facing a stop, a stay, a see, a barrier. Isn't it fun? No, it's not. What do you do? Okay. Let me pick it up in Exodus 14. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this passage of scripture, but it sets the stage. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses. You know the story. We, if you've listened to this any amount of time, you know what just happened, okay? I'm not setting it up for you. You should know it by now if you've been listening to me for a long time. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell the sons of Israel, they've been released from Egypt, they're marching. Um, tell the sons of Israel to turn back 
and I even preached on this part before, encamp before Phi-Ha-Eroth, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of, bleh, opposite by, opposite it by the sea. I skipped that on, on purpose. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh. I will be honored through Pharaoh. I will be honored, not through you, through Pharaoh. Isn't it interesting that God uses what is blocking us to bring himself honor, okay? He uses your enemies to honor him. That's a whole message. I'm not preaching it right now. I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart. Shocking! God prophesied his future, you know, to Moses, and here it is. What is this we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us. We talked about this two weeks ago. We talked about when Israel was so deep into the culture and the way of life of Egypt, that that is one of the reasons that Pharaoh just couldn't part with. How do you separate something that's been a part of you for so long? No, I'm not going to let them go. Verse 6, 14, 6. So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he chased after the sons of Israel as sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, all of them, his horsemen, his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea besides by Heroth <laughs> in front of Baal Zephon or however you say it. I invite you to say it correctly for me. Verse 10, as Pharaoh drew near, listen to what happens to Israel. The sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves? Listen, oh, this makes me mad. In Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. A stop a block. Israel was completely blocked by the Red Sea in front of them. And before the Egyptians showed up, they could have turned around and gone that way. As a matter of fact, they, they did eventually want to turn around and go back to Egypt. But let me tell you something right here. I'm going to read this verse, Exodus uh, 13, 18. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up and marshaled away from the land of Egypt. Listen. And hence, God led the people around the way of the wilderness. And where did he lead them to? Where did he lead them to? The Red Sea. The block, the sea, was from God. The block was from God. Did you ever think of that? God led them to the block. He led them to the sea. He wanted them to be there. They were perfectly positioned. You see, what Israel was freaking out about was a perfect execution of a meticulously genius plan that God had thought of before the foundation of the world. The Red Sea, the block, the stop was from God. I don't even like being stopped at stoplights. <laughs> 
you know, we live in Dallas and people are crazy here. If you live in the Metroplex, you know you're a crazy driver. You are a crazy driver, okay? We all need to go back to driver's ed, every one of us. Every single one of us. I don't care who you are. Grandma, 16-year-old, you bet you need to go back to driver's ed. In the Metroplex, people don't know how to drive. And I am one of them, okay? Now, I've made it all these years, but, you know, I often feel like, I don't know, we all need to go back to driver's ed. I don't like to stop at red lights. I do because it's the law. But when there is a stop and I am in a hurry and I have some place to go, I don't like the red light to be stopped. One of the biggest pet peeves of my lifetime, do you want to hear what it is, in driving is when people don't know the law, you can turn right on red. Is there anything more annoying in this lifetime than being behind someone in a car you're in a hurry, you're turning right, you know you can turn right on red, like you have to yield, obvi, but you can turn right on red. And the person in front of you has their blinker on to turn right and they, you know they can go because you're watching the traffic and they don't turn right. It is my biggest pet peeve of all time. Why? Because I wanna go and I'm completely blocked. I know I've got a place to go, but I'm completely blocked. The right on red thing drives me crazy. My kids, all of them, all four of them, because now I got the, the two little ones talking to me, all four of them laugh at me when they're, I'm behind someone who can turn right on red and they're not doing it, okay? They're, Grace makes fun of me all the time. Mom, don't you want to turn right? Don't you know that they can turn right and they're not turning right? And they all like, they just mock me. They mock me in the car, you guys. That is what I'm dealing with. Pray for me. I hate it when people don't turn right on red. But listen, when I'm blocked, I'm so incredibly frustrated. I'm a right on red type of girl. I'm a get around it type of girl. I'm blocked, but how do I get around it? And the Lord over the years, in his very patient, loving way, has shown me the wisdom of the block, the wisdom of the stop, the wisdom of the, no, you need to stop here for a second because there's something greater at work than your desire to keep going. There is a greater plan unfolding than your desire to get from point A to point B, Autumn. I am doing something greater than your desire. And what that desire is, is my desire. That is what I'm working with here. I just read to you Exodus 14, 1 through 12. Israel had a very specific point of view because this is the first time that Israel was now, yes, Pharaoh said no 10 times, but uh, for, to letting them go. But nothing really changed for their life. They were still doing, you know, what they were doing. There was not really true faith needed. You know, they're, here they are in Egypt. They're, they're doing the same job. They're making the bricks. They're doing the thing. Actually, a couple of the plagues in, you know, God protected the Israelite nation who lived in the land of Goshen. You know, their cattle didn't die. You know, they didn't, there was a separation where God prevented things from happening in the land of Goshen that actually happened in Egypt. So they did not have to actually utilize hardcore faith. This was their first test, true test, on is God going to come through or not? And I'll say they failed miserably just like we do. They see the Red Sea, the stop or the block in front of them. They're blocked from behind them. There is a lot of them. All 100% of Pharaoh's chariots, horsemen, army was surrounding them. So they did exactly what a lot of us do and maybe what exactly what you are doing right now. They were terrified. Let me read it again for you. And Pharaoh drew near, verse 10, 14, 10. The sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they became very frightened so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they also spoke to Moses. I want to encourage you today. 
God has led you to this block. He's led you to this stop. You guys have heard me talk about my kids all the time. And I think it's just appropriate to talk about a hardcore block that I faced. We were just talking about my kids before we started air, um, airing, recording. And, you know, you can get to me two ways. Jesus makes me emotional, very emotional, and my children, all four of them. I tell you this story because it was one of the times where I felt completely and utterly hopeless and nothing mattered. No success mattered. Nothing that God had accomplished for us mattered. The only thing that mattered was the block that I was facing and I was mad at God because of it. I waited for 18 years, you guys know, to adopt. And when we got Haven, um, some of you have heard this story before, but I'm just going to tell it again because it's a great example of what do you do? We picked up Haven from the hospital and I, and I remember the Lord saying, you know, there's something wrong with Haven, right? I remember the Lord saying that. Now, she looked perfect, but the Lord, the spirit of God said, there is going to be a challenge. Are you okay with that? And I said, yes, Lord, okay, of course, okay. And here we take this little baby girl home. And I remember, you know, she had passed all of the exams in the hospital. You know how they do all the health exams and all of those things, you know, and they're like, they release them, you know, to go home. Well, she, she was released to come home with us. And I remember in the hotel room, all of a sudden hearing this like horrible gurgling sound that I've never heard before. This is my fourth kid. I am not new to parenting. I know the things. I've done the things. This is like, you know, different. Alarmingly different. I run in the room and I look at her and, you know, I know that something is wrong. Okay. We get her settled down and I'm thinking, you know, I hope that doesn't happen again. Well, it did happen again. Multiple times she would make this really loud, like choking, gurgling sound where whatever. We could not take her to our doctor because we were in the state of Mississippi. But as soon as we got back, we took her straight to the doctor. The doctor looked at her and said, oh, she's just having reflux, acid reflux. And I'm like, this ain't acid reflux, lady. Like, your girl is seeing some acid reflux. But you know, you know, the Lord places things in your heart and you just know that you know, you know that you know that the Lord is at work, right? Fast forward to one day, I come home from work. I look at Haven in the bouncy seat where she is sitting and she, her lips are turning blue. I pick her up. We call 911. She goes to the hospital. She's at the hospital for five days. They're running every kind of test you can imagine. We find out from the hospital that she has a birth defect. It ain't just reflux cupcake. I knew this all along, but I'm not a doctor. So I'm going off of the medical, you know, staff and everyone who are amazing, but I'm not a doctor and they missed it. They missed this one, but we took her to children's in Dallas and they diagnosed her with this birth defect. And they were telling us a little bit about the birth defect. We then took her to a specialist, the best specialist in the Metroplex to evaluate her and run some extra tests on her. And that's exactly what we did. And I'll never forget this woman coming in and she was like, I mean, you could tell she was, you know, those people that are like, wow, this chick is like legit smart. Like she's like, she could run the world type person. I could tell she knew what she was talking about. And she sits down and just very matter of fact, she said, Haven is having death spells. Death, death, D-E-A-T-H, death. This is what's happening. Her larynx is not fully developed. Yours lifts completely open and then shuts like a flap. Hers gently raises. And there's nothing we can do. We can't operate on her. She's too little. She won't make it. So you're going to have to watch her and hope for the best. And it was the worst possible thing that I've ever heard. Here, this baby girl I've waited for for 18 years, 18 years. You know, I'm the girl that's like, bring it. 
Let's fix it. I'll make it work. We can do it. God come through, make a way. We're going to do this thing. I'm the one who people come to for prayer, for deliverance. We face all these things over all these years. And I'm looking at my baby that I waited for for 18 years. And the doctor in front of me is saying she's having death spouse. You're going to have to watch her. Okay, what can we do? Give me a pill. Give me a this. Give me a that. They gave us a few tips on how to feed her. And they gave us a few tips on how to, she should sleep and stuff like that. But basically, we were to watch her like a hawk. And if it ever happened, take her straight to the hospital. That's, that's what she said. Blocked. Stopped. Blocked. We were surrounded by something we couldn't do anything about. And I was scared. I was scared for her. I was scared for me. I was scared for the unknown. And I remember one night, you know, and I've, I've written this in gangster prayer. We had just got this report from the doctor. And I remember that, um, I picked her up. She was, she had what's called strider. So she breathed really loud. You, it's like, it's kind of like someone that's wheezing, but it's, I don't even know. It's the worst sound of all time. If your kid has had strider, you get it. But her strider was really, really loud that night. And I was, it was almost grating on everything because I was so scared. I just wanted her to make it because I loved her so much. And I went and got her where she was laying. She was so tiny. She was maybe six weeks old, maybe. This brand new little precious little beautiful little baby girl. And you know how they kind of ball up when you um, when you get them? When they're born, their little feet ball up and you pull them straight. And then they ball back up, you know, and there's this tiny little butter ball. She was still like that. And she was really small. She was on the petite. She's still on the petite side anyway. And so this little tiny baby, I laid in my bed and I put her on my chest. And I started singing over her. I'm a horrible singer. I actually sang at the conference this weekend and it was terrible, but they got the point. And we sang this precious little song that came from, I don't even know where it came from. Her body completely relaxed. My body completely relaxed. And I surrendered her straight to Jesus and said, you know what? If you've given me this precious life for a short time, we submit to your power. But I was scared. I know what it's like to have no options. But God had led us there. Because what he was getting ready to do was necessary for his glory to be preached and magnified, even to all the thousands of people that will listen to this podcast today. There was one guy who wasn't even moved by this block. When Israel came and when they started yelling at Moses and basically telling him, we should have stayed in Egypt. I want to show you the difference in his response. Exodus 14, 13. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. We quote this verse all the time, but I'm going to use it in a different perspective. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord, Instagram's great guys, but do you live it, will fight for you while you keep silent. If God led you there, he's gonna fight for you there. If God brought you there, it's his responsibility to remove the block so that you can move forward. If it's out of your control, how can you control it? If it's out of your control, but God has brought you there, it is in his control and he's going to control the circumstances to get you out of it. That's what Moses was saying. Why guys, why why can Moses speak like that? Where did that come from? And as I was processing it that day in the shower, it hit me like a ton of bricks. 
This was not Moses's first Red Sea. Moses had already faced multiple Red Seas in his life and the past few months uh, that he had been dealing with Pharaoh. When he got his call in Exodus 3, until then, Moses had faced so many different Red Seas and it prepared him for the one that he was facing now. Listen, this is what's practical about this that I need to tell you. When you are walking this life of faith, you will face four different types of Red Seas. You're going to face it. You will face four. It is naive to think that you are not going to be blocked. You're not going to be stopped. You're not going to have, Jude came in the other night and he, he writes raps all the time. And he's like, mom, I'm blocked. And I'm like, that's okay. Wait it out. God's going to come in. He's going to do something through it. Wait it out. Don't rush it. Wait it out. Because I've had writer's block a lot writing all these books. Okay. He'd already faced multiple Red Seas. The first Red Sea that Moses faced and the first Red Sea that you are going to face, and this is not in any, in, in any order because I think he faced them multiple times throughout his life, is the Red Sea of self. The Red Sea of self. Moses could look at the actual Red Sea and think, I already faced something like this. And I've seen God come through. The first type of Red Sea that he faced was the sea of his own self, okay? I want to read it in Exodus 3, 11. It says this, you know, God is saying, I'll pick it up in verse 10, 3, 10. Therefore, God is saying, come now, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. The first sea, the first block that we face when God says do something is the sea of self. I'm going to talk to those people. You are mentally blocked by your insecurities. You can't go forward. You can't go backwards. You don't know how in the world you're going to accomplish what God has asked you to do. You, maybe you're doing what God has asked you to do and you are so blocked because you cannot see how to move forward and to be, to be fruitful in what you're doing. You are against yourself. You are your own block. Your excuses, you raise to God every single day, but I this, but I that, but I this, but I that. But do you know, and they said, and this and that and that and the other, you are your own Red Sea. This is a sea we all face. When I started to talk about the ministry, I knew what I was. And I think that that's something that God has given me. I know what I'm not. And I knew going to, I don't, I don't have to fake it to anybody. I need God. I know what I am. And I also know what I'm not. And so when God was asking me to do this, I wasn't trying to be all fancy. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have any money. I didn't know anybody. I wasn't trying to be like this, whatever. Oh, I'm this, I'm that, and the other. I was none of those things. So I couldn't even fake it. I couldn't even pretend. And I remember telling God over and over and over to when I was going to start, uh, when he asked me to start the ministry, you are going to have to do this because you know what I am and what I am is not capable of doing this. I can't. I literally have to have you pave the way for me. And it scared me to my actual core to do what I'm doing now. I was so scared of everyone saying, you're a woman, you're not supposed to be preaching. Well, guess what? That happened. And it happens all the time. I'm so scared of people saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, guess what? That's happened. And it happens all the time. Well, you're not trained to do it. Well, guess what? That happened. And it happens a lot. The enemy knows how to place thoughts, comments, looks, all sorts of things in your head to play with your own narrative that you tell yourself, which will disqualify you from what God has asked you to do. The enemy is very manipulative. He prowls like a roaring lion and he seeks those that he may devour. The first Red Sea that Moses faced was himself. And I believe that you're blocked. Someone is blocked out there because of your own self. Let me ask you a question. 
Did Peter have a fancy degree? Was he rich? Did he have a bunch of connections? No. God doesn't work with all that stuff. He works with a heart that says, in spite of all of these things. I'm going to be all these things to you because you've got the heart I'm looking for. Moses questioned God five different times. I would submit to you that his self was his greatest sea. His self, that's a word for somebody. His self was his greatest sea. How do you practically overcome yourself with the word? And God said, certainly I will be with you. You know, God didn't say, yeah, you are really great. He didn't puff him up. He didn't do any of that. Like, you know, it is what it is. What Moses questioned God five different times and God, you know, kept, he never babysat or stroked his insecurity. He simply reminded Moses who he was. And the gist of it all was this. I will be with you. Exodus 3, 12. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God of this mountain. Here's the deal. God knew uh, Moses needed him. So that is what we go on. God does walk it out with you. If you are finding yourself blocked and you are not seeking God, you need to check to see if he is with you. Because when God sends you, God goes with you. He is your escort. He is your leader. He is your support. When God sends you, he accompanies you. That's the first thing. The second sea that Moses faced was the sea of the enemy. Now, we've talked about this a little bit, and we all have these, the enemies. His enemy, as we know, was Pharaoh. I'm going to read this to you. I read this uh, the other day. Once he got over himself and decided, okay, we're going to move that because I really do see that God is with me. God's going to come with me. He went. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, thus you shall say, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said this, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let him go. I don't know the Lord. And besides, I'm not going to let Israel go. I'm not going to do it. Congratulations. It's not happening. Is anyone facing the sea of the enemy today? I'm telling you what, I never knew I had so many enemies until God gave me a little bit of success on social media. It is amazing. How many people hate you for no reason? It's amazing. It's It's shocking. I've talked about the nails a million times, okay? But it's like, you know, I'll be pouring my heart out before the Lord online. And this is why you have to face the sea of self before you you face the sea of the enemy. Because you don't, you never even met these people and they hate you. Someone the other day, get over yourself. Okay, I didn't know you hated my guts, but I'll just block you real fast because clearly this ministry is not for you. Um, why is your eyelashes turned that way? I mean, I can't even focus on what you're saying from the Lord because your eyelash is so messed up. Oh my goodness. Like fix your eyelashes block. Okay. I never knew how many enemies I faced. I didn't even know I had that many enemies. I didn't even know it. The enemies come out of everywhere when you are going straight to following God's plan, they come out of everywhere, everywhere. I mean, everywhere. They're on the road. They're not turning right on red. <laughs> They're everywhere. And you may be facing a literal enemy today. Has someone tried to sabotage what you're trying to do for the Lord? Has there been someone that has been so mean and so obstructive to what you're doing, like Pharaoh. Um, I don't know, God. And P.S., by the way, I ain't letting these people go. It is not happening over my dead body. And that's exactly what happened over his dead body. You face the sea of me, of the sea of self, 
you face the sea of the enemy, and you realize that just like God backed David when he went up against Goliath, he backs you. God heard the dialogue between Pharaoh and Moses. He heard the dialogue. Oh, yeah? You're not going to let my people go? Great. Exodus 6, 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion, I'm about to make his life a living hell. Under compulsion, he will let them go. And under compulsion, he will drive them out of his land. He's going to drive them out of his land. I'm going to put compel him. I'm going to use the little tricks in my bag. But under compulsion, I will handle him. Practically speaking, when you are dealing with the Red Sea of the enemy, who sets you free? You can't, because Pharaoh is more powerful than Moses in this moment, but God can. It is God's responsibility to deliver you from the enemy that he's led you in front of. It is God's responsibility, let me say it again, to deliver you from the enemy that he's in front of. Therefore, you don't have to freak out. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to like, you know, twiddle your thumbs and wonder, okay, God, you led me here. Now I'm facing Pharaoh. What in the world am I supposed to do about Pharaoh? How am I going to manipulate or sweet talk or whatever? What deal am I? No, 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 no. You stand. God acts. You be obedient. God acts. Practically speaking, God is good at being God. God showed his power through the plagues. We all know how that went. I want to take you to one that I think is going to really resonate. Moses also faced the third one, the Sea of the Allies. Now, this is a hard sea to face, but Moses faced it before the Red Sea. You know the Sea of the Allies, okay? What do you do when your friends flip? What do you do when your friends were supportive and all of a sudden they flip on you? What do you do? When here you are chugging along, I'm going to do this for the Lord and I have all the support. And then all of a sudden someone is like, um, actually, should you be doing that? I don't know about that. Pastors, can I get an amen? These are the people who set up a lunch with you and you ask what the lunch is about. And this is what they say. I have some concerns. I just, I just, I just, I just like to talk to you. I just some concerns. I just, I have some concerns, pastor. I know. I get it. They were once allies and somewhere along the way they flipped and you didn't even know it. And it comes out of nowhere. And you think to yourself, dear God in heaven, why are these people flipping on me? What am I doing? Guess what? Israel did the same thing to Moses. Let's read about it. Exodus 5, 5 through 21. I'm not going to read the whole thing. After uh, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh gets mad and he's like, you know what? Not only am I not going to let them go, I'm going to force them now to do their same amount of labor and make bricks, but I'm not going to give them straw. And guess who's hearing all of this? All the Israelite slaves. They're hearing, they're hearing about it. They're hearing it. The leaders are hearing it. And this is what they said to Moses. When they left Pharaoh's presence, the foreman, let me pick it up in 19, 519. The foreman of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron and they were waiting for them. Oh, snap. They said to them, may the Lord look upon you and judge you for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. What do you do when someone is so excited about you and then they betray you? 
the sea of the ally. What do you do? Moses at this point had already faced two seas and this would be his third one. Then Moses returned to the Lord, verse 22, 522. Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? You see, the Israelites in front of the Red Sea sound a lot, a lot like Moses a few chapters previous. They were facing something new, but Moses had already faced it. Listen to this prayer. It's almost identical to the one in Exodus uh, 14. Exodus 6, 5.22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, for you have not delivered your people at all. What does the Israelites say in Exodus 14, 11? Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way? bringing us out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would be better for us to serve Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Do you see how similar those two statements are? Moses is talking to God. Why? Israel is talking to Moses. Why? Why did you do this? The sea of the ally might be the hardest sea yet. Because these people know you, they know of you, you have a history of them, and all of a sudden, something gets in them that wants to stop you. Moses did what we should do. He was raw before the Lord. He was real. He was transparent, and he let the Lord minister to him. What? The sea of self, certainly I will be with you. The sea of the enemy, God said, I'm going to take care of it. Now you're going to see what I'm going to do. The sea of the ally, God, why did you do this to these people? You're going to have to come in and do something about this. The last sea is the sea of literal obstacles. Moses was able to say, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord because God had delivered him multiple times already. He was able to say, be still, God's going to fight for you because he had seen God fight for him so many times already. I want you in this moment to borrow my faith. I faced all of these Red Seas and I'm, I'm sure I'll face them again multiple times. If you're facing a stop or a block and you're going, I have absolutely no idea what to do. Don't fear. Stand by. See the salvation of the Lord, which he, not you, he will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you while you just sit there and keep silent. Haven, we watched her like a hawk for six months of her life. I was so stressed out. Those six, I don't know how I survived that first year. And we went to a church service, my dad's church. And I know I've told this story we went to a church service and one of the elders in the church said, we've got someone here that needs healing. And I'm like, I know immediately he's talking about Haven, like immediately. So I take Haven down to the front of the church. The whole church, it, it seemed like, and I don't know, it seemed like the whole church gathered around Haven, laid hands on Haven and prayed over Haven for complete and total healing. We were blocked. We were stopped. We were still. There was nothing we could do. And then God stepped in. We prayed over her. And I remember going back, you know, the prayer ended, the service ended. We went to lunch. And I noticed she wasn't gurgling like she usually does. Her strider was better. Things were improving in the first day. And I thought it was a fluke. So I'm like, I'm going to give this another week. Better, better, better so good that we took her back to the doctor 
She hadn't had any spells. She wasn't worried. She wasn't choking. None of those things. We had them retest her. Does she still have this birth defect? The test came back positive. Yes, she still has the birth defect. She has it. But she was asymptomatic. Zero symptoms. That child is eight years old. She still has it. You can still hear it a little bit. It gets sore every once in a while. But since that prayer and God's deliverance over her life, she has never suffered anymore. We began to see her smile. For the six, first six months of her life, she didn't even smile. because She was scared all the time. We all were. We're terrified. We started to see her smile, relax. God came through in my obstacle in my time. Just like every knee bows, every knee one day will bow before the Lord. Every sea bows as well. Every sea will bow before the name that is above every name. This sea that you're facing, this stop that you are facing, this sea is from me, God said. God's brought you here. God has brought you to this stop. You submit to it and say, okay, God, I'm here. You're the way maker, make a way. Every knee bows and every sea bows to the name of Jesus. I want you to go back in your life and I want you to recall what Red Sea has obeyed God. God told me that one time. He said, I want you to go back and look at your life and see um, how many of your Red Seas have obeyed me. All of them. All of them. Stand still. See the salvation of God. Practically speaking, he is the source of the way through. Lord, we love you today. What a beautiful example in scripture. Moses is so multifaceted, God. What a beautiful example that we can look and we can see so much hope of a life that struggled, but overcame because of you. If it was left to Moses, oh my goodness, he never would have left the burning bush. Thank you, God, for being a personal God that walks through and brings us through our seas, all of them. And I pray for that person that's facing one of those seas today. I pray that we would just, this would have deposited hope in their heart. God, I pray, God, that they understand that you are going to come through in your way, in your timing. I don't think anyone thought that you were going to open up the walls of those that Red Sea, God. Do something for them like that. Something where your glory and your power and your might is undeniable. Show them who you are today, God. And bring them hope that they can walk through. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I love this word. I'll see you after the break with just our wrapping up comments and questions and stuff. I'll see you then. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Well, guys, I think we just had church in my studio with my team over here. We all needed this word. 
Listen, you're like the people that are working on this with you, we're human just like you. We need God just like you. We're facing blocks just like you. We need our way maker to come through just like you. And, you know, we just had church. So I'm actually, this is several minutes after I, I recorded the message. We all cried and everything. We're all here together facing different seas with the same God, right? Whew, so good. Okay. I'm going to get to the testimony first and then we'll do the question. It says this, um, I actually have two because we got lots of testimonies from y'all. If you want to send a testimony, send it to hello at autumnmiles.com or DM us on social. This one's awesome. The Lord grew me in my spiritual maturity as I've waited on him. I've learned that some things aren't meant for everyone to know in the waiting. That is a good revelation. Don't tell everybody all your business, guys. Some things just need to be between you and the Lord. Uh, they say there will always be people to discourage us. Sadly, it's mostly people who are known to us as believers that have been the biggest naysayers. Hard lesson learned in the last few months, but I love when God surprises us. Despite the naysayers, he is doing huge things in my life. It sounds like to me that she or him, I'm assuming it's a woman, has been very discouraged by other people's comments and lack of support. And God has come in and done something big. So thank you for that. I love it, love it, love it. Send all of your stories to hello at autumnmiles.com. This is a good question. I need to know how to discern when God is speaking for us to go one way, but the world is telling us to go another. I put up a post that said, God said to me, what looks like the wrong direction is actually the right way. She is asking a question based on that. Her question is, how did you know it was God telling you that the wrong direction was actually the right way? Okay, let me break this down for you. God is a God who, just like he just did for Israel. Actually, you know what? Let me read it so you can get it straight from the word. This is what God said to Israel. They'd come through the Red Sea really, really quickly. The Lord, Exodus 14, they're standing, they're wandering around. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before this name that I butcher every time, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Baal Zephon opposite it by the sea. Go back. I'm going to tell you something contrary, God says. Go back. I want you to go back. Thus, uh, for Pharaoh, verse 3, 14, 3, will say the sons of Israel, of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the sea. The wilderness has shut them in. Okay? So even to Israel, God used this principle. I'm going to tell them to do something absolutely crazy. They've come so far. Now I'm going to tell them to turn around and come back. That sounds crazy. That sounds like the wrong way. And yet God used it to instigate Pharaoh and all the chariots and everyone in his army to follow after him. It tricked the enemy. The way I know how to do this, and you've got to know that you know that you know that God is telling you this. The way that I know to do this is to seek a direction from the Holy Spirit when I believe he gives me direction, even if it sounds crazy, I ask him to confirm it from his word. Okay, God, for instance, Eddie and I have done a lot of businesses and, you know, we've done all sorts of, of different things and we were at a point a couple of years ago where we were going to plant a church, 100% plant a church. That's what we were going to do. We felt like this was God. And then God rerouted us through a series of events to where we are now, which is he's on staff at our church, Gateway Church. It seemed like the wrong direction at first. It seemed like God was playing games with us at first. And so I said, God, we are confused. I don't want to go on staff at a church if we're supposed to plant a church. What are you doing for us in this moment? And 
the Lord brought me to a passage of scripture that says, where David is wanting to build the tabernacle for God. And God says, nope, you're not going to build that. I'm actually going to do something for you. That was our confirming passage of scripture to know that this is the direction that we're supposed to go in. It looked like the wrong direction going on staff at a church, but actually it was God's way. He led us and it seemed like he contradicted himself, but it was all part of the leading us because if we weren't going to play in a church, we never would have been affiliated with Gateway to begin with. We would have done our own thing and the relationships there led us to where we are now. Does that make sense? Listen to his spirit and then ask him to tangibly confirm with his word exactly like he did for us. And that's how you know how God is leading you. I hope that this helped you guys today. I love y'all so, 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 so much. We are going to, drum roll please, we are going to take a one week break and then I'm gonna do a whole fall series on the book of Job and it is gonna be so good. We'll start that in a couple of weeks. I hope this encouraged you today. I'll see you next week right back here on the Autumn Mile Show. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Mile Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.